Hey everyone, welcome to the Gatekeepers Podcast. In this message, Gus Rubio speaks on the topic of mercy and how we can bring our hearts to a place of joyfully extending mercy to others. If you want to know more about Gatekeepers, visit gatecityatl.com slash gatekeepers. Enjoy. If you have your Bibles, uh, you could open it up to Matthew chapter 5. If you have um, notes, feel free to take them. I am going to post them after. And what I'm going to let you know about the notes um, is that I, I have all the notes that I'm sharing with you um, in the notes. Plus, I added a specific point of reflection at the end for you to be able to do in your time of prayer on your own. Um, I think that the, the things that I'm going to be sharing with you are crucial for your growth and crucial for your heart. Um, at least when I, whenever I get an opportunity to share, my, especially with young people, my heart is always, what can I give and share? I'm asking the Lord, what can I give and share that would always help them for long-term success, for longevity? And if you recall, for those of you who were here, it was in July when I first shared, we were talking about the person and the character of Jesus. And one of the examples I gave you guys then was that our Christian walk, our life in the Lord is like sitting down for a test. If you guys remember this, and I'm saying it for those of you who weren't there, but it's like sitting down for a test and it's all the questions you don't know about life. And the Lord is the one giving you the test. He's the teacher walking around the classroom, and he sets the paper on on your desk, and you don't know any of the answers, and you're just scared. And the Lord asks you, you could look at him and be like, I don't know any of these answers. Like, I have not gone through the material. And the Lord looks at you, and he says, look down at the paper again. And you look down, and all the answers are filled. He filled in all the answers. And he says, now look at whose name is on the paper. And it has your name on it. And you have a passing grade. (laughs) And he says, I've given you the answers. Now let me walk you through the material. And this is one of those subjects to me that the Lord, we need the Lord to walk us through. And it's on mercy. And it's, it's, here's, here's what I was feeling as we were praying and just talking to the Lord during worship. There's many things, but I would say for sure, without a doubt, that mercy is one of those things that you cannot just try to skip in your Christian walk and think that you're going to grow. It has to be something that is it's part of your daily life. It's part of your, uh, your daily talk with the Lord. And as, as, as much as it is vertical as much as it is between you and the Lord is also between you and others. It's one of those very few things that the Lord not only does with us, but he calls us to do with others. And it's to show mercy, to have mercy. And so if the Lord is calling us, then it's only him who is ever going to be able to empower you to walk it out. Does that make sense? So from Genesis, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, we get a picture of God's mercy painted across the pages. And we see it in Genesis uh, since the time of Noah, Genesis chapter 9. And we saw it in, in, in uh, 
we were making reference to it today in Revelation chapter 4. That rainbow that God put as a sign of his mercy is still at his throne. And it's the Lord's mercy, and it's, 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 it's throughout the ages. It's throughout our lifetime, and it's going to be there when we see him. And so that's why I say this, it's such a crucial thing for our, for our hearts and for our lives. And if you actually want to grow in the Lord, we're going to have to actually grow, uh, uh, grow in this and actually walk it out with the Lord and ask him for help. And so, and here's what I want to say about mercy as well, is that, the way that is gonna the, the the way that you're gonna have success in your heart for longevity is if you're looking at it in light of eternity. So as you're reading, let's say Revelation chapter four, and you see the mercy of God displayed, let's say, in the rainbow, and you see the mercy of God in the fact that He is calling us to Him. He He made a way through the blood of Jesus for us to enter into His presence. And the, the, the part that holds us back to have mercy with others and forgiveness and compassion is if we're living in the light of just a moment. If you're living in just for today, it's, it's, you're, it's probably going to be hard to see why you have to have mercy. And the reason why I say that is because many of us have been hurt by our parents. Many of us have already have been affected throughout our years, our lives, you know, whatever, however old you are, you've already had some type of pain. And the Lord is calling us to mercy. As hard as those moments are, it's going to stay hard if you're looking at it in light of right now. But if you're living and looking at it in light of eternity, the, the, the mercy, having mercy and, this, and expressing it and giving it, extending it, becomes a little lighter. Does that make sense? Anyway, so the, the, what I'm calling tonight, uh, and then, Lord willing, I'll be able to share with you guys next week as well, it's, it's called a stake in the ground, a call to mercy. Anybody know what a stake in the ground is? Raise your hand if you know what a stake in the ground is. All right, James, what's a stake in the ground? Yeah. And so what I'm, what, thank you. What I'm, what I'm, why I call it a stake in the ground is, I am inviting you in your own life that you would have a stake in the ground moment as it relates to mercy. By stake in the ground, I'm talking that you would put a stake in the ground and say, on this, I'm going to live on. This is something that I am going to live by, and this is something that I'm going to live on. And it's a stake in the ground, a call to mercy. That mercy would be something that you hold dear to in your walk with the Lord, and in your relationship with him, and as it, as it relates to other people as well. And so that's what, my, that's, that's what I'm inviting us into, is that you would have a stake in the ground moment and say, I am going to live on mercy. And so the Bible calls us to mercy, and we experience it in and through the life of Jesus, and, and, and primarily through the cross. That's the first place where we see it. And I'm going to give some definitions a little bit right now in regards to what mercy is. And then also just in daily repentance. The mercy of God in our lives daily as we come to him and just ask a simple prayer. And I'm sure everybody in this room prays this prayer at least once a day. And it's, help me, Lord. Right? <laughs> Thank God that he answers that prayer. That he answers that. We need it. We need it. 
I need his help. We need his help. And so in that same place that we experience it, he then calls us also to do so, to do the same thing, to extend mercy to others, to extend mercy to our offenders, to people who have offended us or hurt us. So again, think about how incredible it is that the thing, the very thing that Jesus does with us, he calls us to walk into as well. That's, that is awesome. For example, I'm going I'm to tell you how awesome that is. Just give you a small example. If Kobe were alive, and Kobe were to say, <laughs> Kobe Bryant, sorry. <laughs> if Kobe Bryant were alive, and he'd be like, and he says, be a baller like I'm a baller. You, you know immediately that's never going to happen. Sorry, I, I, all right, as, as awesome as some of you might think you are, you're just not going to be there. But the, because he does not have power in himself to take out of him to put it into you to be a baller. But Jesus does. Jesus says, be merciful as I am. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And guess what? He has the power to give you to do it. That's how incredible it is that he calls us into something that he wants to walk us through it. And our American mindset wants to have this mentality of, like, just tell me what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we could be delivered from the American mindset of, like, just tell me what. Like, give me the steps. Give me the one, two, three, and I will do it. Where's the book on mercy? I want to buy it. There's, there might be hundreds of books on mercy, but my encouragement to you is that there is one life of mercy that you should be looking at. And so rather than asking the Lord, tell me what to do, is how did you do it? Turn this into a conversation with him on how he did it, and then ask him to help you do it. Because you look at him, man, that has brought so much courage to my life. It has brought so much courage because there's just, there's just so much emotion that comes when extending mercy and forgiveness and, and having compassion towards people, especially those who have offended us or hurt us. But looking at him just gives so much courage. So my encouragement is that we would look at Jesus when it comes to mercy. You can't do it outside of him. You won't be able to do it. It's just going to be humanitarian effort. It's just going to be just you just making yourself feel good. But if you do it in the power, in the light of the word, in your relationship with Jesus, man, it just becomes much more powerful. And it actually lasts. It lasts. It's fruit that will last. And so the incredible part is that Jesus believes in us. Guys, think about that. Jesus believes in you. <laughs> That's crazy. Because for some of us, I don't know about you, I've, I never heard growing up my dad tell me, I believe in you. But Jesus, to, for Jesus to believe in me, man, he, he must be nuts because I, I would not have believed in myself. <laughs> Come on, guys. You would not have, you probably, maybe some of you, maybe not you, but the person next to you doesn't believe in themselves. But Jesus does. He's calling you to it. He's going to do it. That's that, that, guys, that's, that's just the incredible invitation. Forget my invitation. That's the incredible invitation. Jesus is calling us to this, and he wants to walk us through this with it. He's so good to do it. 
So I'm going to give you two definitions and then uh, just add on to that after that. And, and I'm giving you just, just maybe some thoughts and definitions that you've already heard from other people, and I'm just making it simple. Um, and that's, I, I, I think, just parentheses here. Just years ago, I just had to come to, to terms that I'm just the practical guy when it comes to teaching, and, and I love it. So it's good. Uh, I mean, I got a nine-year-old son and a two-year-old son and everything in between, and so I have to know how to be able to teach it to them. And so it's very helpful for me. Um, so mercy, as you may have heard in the past from people, is this, is that it's God not giving us what we deserve or deserved. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. And then you've heard that it's, it, it, I'm sure, raise your hand if you've heard that before. Okay, great. And then grace is what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Getting what you deserve. Yeah, give it to me. There's that entitlement. I was like, just God, give it to me. Is, is God giving you what you don't deserve? So mercy then is God in us to partner with him. And grace is Christ alone and the power in us to, to walk it out. But I'm gonna I'm gonna add this just for you guys as I was studying it and going through it. And this it's something so simple, but it just hit my heart so much, and it just made more sense to that little simple definition that everybody likes to share and coin for themselves. Uh, but truth be told, I'm the original author of that definition. So in case you were wondering. Um, it's this. When I, it's just two, it's two simple words, and it's judgment withheld. Mercy is judgment withheld, or in other words, withholding judgment. So when we ask for mercy, we're asking God, God, withhold your judgment from me. It's, it's, it's as some have described, like the heavy hand of the Lord. And it's God, have mercy on me. And guys, I don't know if, you, if you've read through the Gospels, you've, you'll see it all the time. One of the major pleas and cries that people in the gospel have had with the Lord is what? With Jesus is what? Have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. Blind Bartimaeus, he was like, Jesus, son of God, son of David, have mercy on me. And that's his cry. And it had nothing to do with the fact that he was blind. <laughs> it was, you are God, I'm not. I need mercy. Forget my eyes. I need you to withhold your judgment from me. And Jesus then does the healing to prove that the words that he said about withholding his judgment are true and have power. He's so good. And he withholds his judgment when we ask for mercy. Because think about the opposite. When we don't when we don't yield to showing mercy to someone, we want to bring forth a, just this rod of judgment, like this hammer of judgment on people, right? When you've been wronged, and some of you probably still feel like uh, there's some things in your life that have just not been made right, there's this, this icky thing that's not God that just wants you to bring forth a hammer of judgment. And you're like, it's not going to be okay until it's been made right, like, 
but it has to come from the power of the Lord. Why? Because in that place of walking with him, you, you realize that little sentence that I just gave you, you're God and I'm not. And that, that's a huge gap. And for him to forgive you and have mercy on you, if and, and, if and when you're walking it out with the Lord, you realize, oh, I'm the one that needed mercy the most. And there's, there's a parable and a story that we'll go through in a bit that, we just, that Jesus gives. And he shows us how big of a debt he's forgiven us. And the debt that we're holding against other people is just a small one. But what we owed him was far greater. And the Lord had compassion and had mercy on us. So here's some scripture for you guys. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. It's, it's, and I quote it for you already. But blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain or receive mercy. The first three, the poor in spirit, mourning, and meekness are like the exposing of just of our brokenness and just of our need in the Lord. And the, the experiencing that brokenness bursts forth, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, the hunger for his righteousness. Because nothing else is going to be able to, to suffice in the midst of our brokenness. We need, we, I need a hunger and thirst for your righteousness. And that hunger and thirst for his righteousness bursts forth the next three things, and the first one being mercy. That out of that place of hungering for his righteousness comes the call to mercy, to purity, and to be a peacemaker. And the first thing that we see is Matthew chapter 5 or 7 is that blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. And so I'm going to give you another story. I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. Again, it's, it's, it's fully in the notes. Uh, if you want to read it, go ahead. It's in Luke chapter 5, 27 through 32. This is, and there's a, there's a parallel also. It's in Matthew chapter 9, 10, and 10 through 13. It's when Jesus calls Matthew to follow him. And Jesus calls Matthew to follow him, and he's known as Levi, and he's, he's walking by him, and he says, you. And he's a tax collector, and these are one of the, the guys that are hated the most. In, their t in that time, in, that, in, in those places in, in Israel, and he says, you, <laughs> basically, let me say this, you, the one who everybody hates, you, the one who everybody is offended by and we're at, would rather wish you were dead, follow me. He says, follow me. And Matthew immediately just drops everything, and he says it begins to follow him. And Matthew does what Matthew knows. He throws a party full of sinners. For Jesus. <laughs> Matthew throws a party, and he doesn't know the rules, right? He doesn't know the church politics. He throws a party <laughs> with all the sinners, tax collectors, probably prostitutes. He's like, guys, come meet the man who called me to follow him. And the Pharisees are offended. His mercy is sometimes a cause for offense. Because it just doesn't make sense to our carnal mind. Because the Pharisees can't figure out why they, who are the inside, are actually on the outside. And those that were actually on, uh, in, in society on the outside are now on the inside. It's his mercy. And he throws a party. And Jesus is not bothered. He's sitting amongst them. It's the outsiders that are on the inside. 
It's his mercy, and it's his calling. And he causes, and when he causes, sometimes it's a cause for offense. Let's, let me give you a small picture, because I, I think maybe many of us have, have already gone through this, is that we, we look at our leaders sometimes, whether it be here or somewhere else, whatever church you're from or other place, you're like, God, you put that guy to lead? Isn't it a cause for offense? Pause for a moment. Think about that person if there is one. If it is in fact God who called him to be there, then who are you really bothered at? <laughs> that was perfect. Does that make sense? If it is in fact that leader, that pastor, who you just don't agree with or has hurt you, whether directly or indirectly, I'm just going to insert this. And, and these are the thoughts that the Lord helps me with because it helps me just have mercy when he inserts these thoughts in my heart. What if that guy, that dude who hurt me, what if he wasn't even looking to be a leader? And what if all he was wanting to do was be obedient? Does that make sense? That helps my heart to have mercy. The dude was just probably raising his hand saying, okay, I'll try. And in the midst of it, in his brokenness, he hurts people. And guess what? The Lord is not offended by that. Is that sitting on you guys for a bit? When that hit me, I was like, man. It's still hard, though. It doesn't make it easy, but it, it, it lightens the load just a bit. Yeah, because it's like, okay, he's just trying to be obedient. And, I, and, and then you realize, I'm, I'm just trying to be obedient, too. And then you realize, oh, that dude's broken. I'm broken. We're on the same boat, guys. Guys, we're on the same boat. We're all on the same boat. It doesn't matter where you are in life. No matter how old you are, doesn't matter how long you've been serving in ministry, whether you just got or gonna get saved tonight, we're all on the same boat. Oh, and you were on the outside and the Lord is bringing you in. That was you. That was us. That's me. That's still me. That's still you. If the Lord were going to pick a perfect team, it shouldn't have been us. Look around, guys, but it's us. <laughs> I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. He's going to use this beautiful dysfunction to display his power and glory to the earth. That's, that's amazing. I want to be there to, to be a part of it. I want to help. I want to ask the Lord for for help so I can continually say yes in my heart and be a part of what he wants to do on the earth. There's another picture in Matthew 18:21 through 35. 
Matthew 18, 21 to 35, Peter is asking the Lord a very, uh, it's a very serious question, believe it or not, because sometimes we might read it, and maybe it's just me. Maybe I see things just like too lightly sometimes. And he says, Lord, if my brother offends me, how many times should I forgive them? And he leans, this is the way I picture it, he's like, seven? Because I remember reading years ago, as I was studying that little part, is that what was norm to them was three. To forgive three times. And if I recall correctly, it was daily. That if the same brother three would offend you or do something, that up to three times you can forgive them. Peter <laughs> thought he was being generous. And I could just picture the Lord, oh, I see what you're doing. I got one better for you. He's like, Peter, get your calculator out. How about 70 times 7? Somebody already did the math. It's 490. We get it. We get it, guys. We, you know math. We get it. In other words, don't walk around with the, okay, that was two for Caleb today. It is however many it takes. Show mercy. Have mercy. Because at the end of the day, it's not even about how much or many times you give it. It's the fact that you get and you win Jesus at the end. You get him. You've won. That's why asking the Lord, how did you do it? You're still going to have tears in showing mercy, but you'll have the joy that I have you, Lord. I have you. And you realize, oh, this is hard, and it brings me to tears to do this and to forgive and extend mercy to this guy who, and woman who has hurt me, but I have you. I have you. That's why it's so beautiful when we ask the Lord, how did you do it? And that's when he, that's when he gives the, the, the parable of the guy who the master was just bringing in the people who owed him. And this guy owed what was the total amount of 20 years worth of a salary. And in one uh, search that I found, it was up to $10 million. Um, and, and, I mean, think about and that's that's a long time ago. <laughs> Not considering inflation and all these things that are going on. And it was way more in buying power. <laughs> and the guy asked the master for mercy because he says, you can't pay me. I'm going to put you, your family, your kids, your relatives, and everybody who comes after you in prison. And you're still going to have to find a way to pay me uh, the debt that you, that you have. And the guy gets on his knees and he asked the, Lord, and he asked the master for mercy. And he had pity on him. He had that compassion on him. A mix of what comes with mercy is the compassion. It's this, I, I hear your cry, and it does, it does something to the Lord. And it moves him to, to mercy, and he has mercy on him. And that very same guy who got forgiven that huge amount of debt, then that same day is walking, 
sees another, his, his, and here's the interesting part that that's just stood out to me. It's that he says, a co-servant, another slave like him under the same master. That means right here, your brothers and your sisters. Under the same master. And it's Sean. Sean, you owe me $500. And Sean can't pay it. And Sean gets on his knees, and in the same way you did, he begins to ask for mercy. Have mercy. It's, please, I can't pay that right now. Have mercy. And in his own righteousness, he says no. And he has that guy sent to jail. Other people heard it, brought it to the master. The master heard him, and the master puts him in jail. And there's this, I'm just going to lay this on you, and I'm going I'm to invite you to just take it to the Lord and pray. And it's this, this phrase at the end. It's just a, a weighty, weighty, weighty phrase in that same parable. So at the end, Jesus en ends it with, he says, it's verse 34 and 35 of Matthew uh, 18. And he says this. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. And verse 35 says this. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. I just encourage you, take that <laughs> into, into prayer with the Lord. Um, those weighty things, I, I would just rather pray that the Lord would reveal to you um, and that you would take time to walk it out with him. Amen? Uh, Hebrews chapter 2. It's this. Sorry, guys, I, I, I just have to show it to you in the scriptures. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Therefore, this is about Jesus, Therefore, in all things, he had, he had to be made like his brethren, us. Guys, parentheses, why, why we celebrate Christmas is not, it's because God became a man. And he came first as, as a baby. And so Christmas songs are not just for Christmas. If they're about Jesus coming to the earth, in our form, it's his mercy. Because Hebrews also says that he did not go to the angels when they fell. But as soon as we did, he comes in our form. And so therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren. In other words, he came into the flesh. That he might be what? It says a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. And makes propitiation, in other words, the satisfaction for the sins of the people. He's our high priest. He is the propitiation. He is the perfect satisfaction for the judgment that was due us. And in his sacrifice, there is mercy and forgiveness. Amen. <laughs> Another one, Hebrews 4, 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. 4.16, Hebrews 4.16. So that's a picture into your prayer life. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy to find grace in, time of, in, in our time of need. And then I'll, uh, I'll give you this one also. It's Ephesians 2, 
1, uh, 1 through 4, but I'm only going to read verse 4. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. So verses 1 through 3, it's talking about how we were sons of wrath and disobedience under the power of the prince of the air, which is the devil. And it says, in which we walked in those very same ways. And in verse 4, Paul says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Sweet. So good. I'm going to give you these three things because I just, I think it's crucial for us to see just how God feels about mercy. First one is he delights in it. This, the, the reason why I'm bringing these, these things and as I was praying and doing this is that it's, a, it's crucial for us to know how God feels about it. Sorry, guys. I keep saying God. I don't know why. It's like I'm over there like God. 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 He delights in it. It is something that he truly enjoys. In other words, he truly enjoys it. That's Micah 7, 18, where it's, he delights in mercy. So again, how, how does God feel about mercy? He delights in it. The next one is, so, yeah, the next one is this. I'll give it to you in a bit. The next one is that he's rich in mercy, which is, we just read that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. He's rich in mercy. And the third one is, in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, Paul calls him the father of mercies. So why, why did I bring that up? If you don't enjoy it, guess what? God delights in it. You can ask him, Lord, help me delight in it. Enjoy it as you do, because he delights in it. If you feel broke with mercy... Or you're bankrupt, like you got nothing in the bank. He's rich in mercy. Forget about your bank account with dollars. He's rich in mercy. And then, as a son and as a daughter, guess what? Your father is the father of mercies. He's so good to do it. All right, I have these Four indicators. I think these are just fun but very serious things. By fun, I mean like I'm just going to call them some names. Four indicators that we are withholding mercy. So picture your heart, all right, just for a moment, like a car dashboard. Some of your cars look like Christmas trees because you got all the lights on. And it might be true of your heart too. The people who laughed are the ones that have that. <laughs> They're like, I don't need to decorate my tree. My car has many lights on. <laughs> Raise your hands, shame the devil if that's you. <laughs> so we got one honest person in the room. <laughs> I'm not, no, I'm not trying to poke at anybody. Anyways, guys, I'm just trying to be obedient. <laughs> like, you like that, huh? That was good. <laughs> I'm just going to use that from now on. All right. Four indicators of withholding mercy. 
Again, your heart is a, is a dashboard for a moment, all right? And if any of these lights are on, you need to have a talk with the Lord, all right? The first one is dwelling on your offense. If you're anything like me, I, I, I remember this is, this is the, man, I don't even know how they do it now. When I, uh, the times, I don't, oh, I'm going to, I don't want to hurt people's hearts. When I watch football, because I don't really care for it much, because um, my eyes are only on eternal things. <laughs> um, I, I told you I was going to hurt hearts. <laughs> it's how fast they can get those replays. Now, they can get those replays, and they can get the, the pen on the, on the screen now, and you can see the arrows. I was like, dang, how are they doing that? And now they can do it while there's a live camera, too. And I was like, my God. That's how we are sometimes with our offense. We're so good at the replay. We map it out again, and we just replay it. We're just going back over it again, and we got pencils. Like, oh, this is what they did. Oh, this is where they did and we, we are the replay guy. Replay, we replay the conversations. This, this is what I, I, I know I'm, I'm this, is, this, is the, this is the thing for me, is creating scenarios. Things that never happen, I'm making up in my head, and I am walking it out as if it happened. Anybody else? It's just me. All right, we got some. If that's you, just raise your hand. Whenever I call something, I'll just raise your hand. Don't worry, everyone's looking forward. Billy's looking forward. No one can't see you. <laughs> so it's, it's the replaying conversations, creating scenarios. I, I, I'll tell you a story. I, got, I remember this. <laughs> I share the story because it happened so many times. Uh, back in L.A., my pastor texted me one morning before I got in. It was like 7.30 in the morning, and he says, Mijo, we need to talk when you get, to, when you get into the office. In case you didn't know, mijo means son or my son. He says, we need to talk when you get into it. And so I'm in the shower. And I'm like, oh, what does he want to talk about? I'm like showering, trying to say, oh, I know what it is. Oh, it's this. I know it has to be that. And I was like, oh, I know what he's going to tell me. This, this is a real story here. I know what he's going to tell me. Oh, he's going to tell me this. And when he tells me that, I'm going to say this. <laughs> and when I say that, I know what he's going to say. I know what he's going to say when I say that. He's going to say that, and I'm going to tell him this. True story. I show up. I'm already angry. I'm bothered. I, I hate the guy, and I'm like, okay, I don't hate him. But I'm like, I'm not happy about this meeting. And I show up, have a seat, and I'm in front of him. And I was like, here it comes. Here it comes for sure. Because let's be honest. We, just, we, we have all the backing of hell when we are in that place. That makes us feel like we're right. If there's one thing the devil is not going to condemn you about, it's pride. Because he'd be condemning himself. So we have all the backing of hell when we're in that place. And I'm, he's, here it comes. And he says, Mijo, um, how's Wednesday going? I was like, good. He's like, oh, do, you, do you think you need some help with some other things? And I'm like, no. And I'm like, I'm bracing myself. And he's like, He's all right. It's just some things I was praying about today in the, in the house of prayer. Just wondering if you needed some help with something. Just let me know. And I'm mad. 
I'm more mad than when I walked in because you didn't bring it. I was like, I know you, I know you know. Holy Spirit told you something or what. You should have just brought it up. But he didn't. I got more mad. That's, that's ridiculous. That's so ridiculous, guys. Am I the only one? Hands? There you go. There. Okay. <laughs> Dwelling on your offense. And here's the worst part when we begin to share it with others. You know, what, you know what the worst part of that is? That we begin to share the scenarios we made up as if they actually happen. We become pathological liars. But in our own eyes, we're truth tellers. <laughs> All right, second one. Avoiding the person who offended you. Second indicator, avoiding the person who offended you. In other words, you're the, the diverter. You are the diverter. If that's you guys, just, here's my, here's, I've, here's a sentence when everybody's, if the shoe fits, everybody says. For me, it's like, if the shoe fits, take it off. Don't be that person anymore. If the shoe fits, take it off. You're, if you're the, the, the diverter, just take it off. Here's the picture I want to paint for you. My son, Zeal, is the diverter when I have to change him in the mornings. I have a shirt, and I'm ready, and I'm on my knees, and I'm ready to put it on him, and he's looking at me, and as soon as I go over, he goes, huh, huh. and the, the other day, he went, huh. and he's like smiling at me, and it's like, that, that's the picture I get when I get the, the diverter. It's like, you, you just avoid the person. What would it have looked like for you if Jesus diverted you? For us, thank God that he is not a, someone who diverts and avoids hard conversations. Right? Thank God. The next one, indicator number three, is this. Being critical of the one who offended you. In other words, you're the people's QC. Anybody know what a QC is? Quality control. Quick, you said quick, quick. <laughs> Again, you're being critical of the one who offended you. Everything they, here's the, here's the problem with a heart that does not have mercy in it. It doesn't matter what they do. It's just wrong. Oh, look at how they pray. Oh, that guy. The dude's just trying to be obedient. And we're criticizing the guy or the girl. And we're just, it's just hard to be that guy, to be the one that's being criticized. Because nothing you do is ever going to be right. And the last one. Wait, any, any indicators, any hands on that one? All right, cool. So thanks for being honest. I'm gonna, we're going to pray for all this at the end, guys. The fourth one is becoming a diagnostic expert of people's lives. In other words, you're the opinion master. You have an opinion as to how everybody should be living their lives, but yet you aren't. Because we don't realize that as we're doing that to others, 
you don't look so good yourself. So those were four indicators on your heart dashboard. And I wrote this just because I'm a dad and I have to give you some dad jokes. Some of us need to take ourselves into the shop, a.k.a. the prayer room, and get our heart checked and aligned. And you need to take the time that it takes to get it done. You need to put in the work. Guys, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. What you get on the other side of that talk is so worth it. Because in the Beatitudes, we see that blessed are in the blank because, and then it, there's the blessing. The eternal blessing that outside of yourself you would never be able to attain, but the Lord gives it. And in this sense is that you will get mercy. I need mercy every day. I need it every single day. And I'm almost done here with you guys. This uh, says, Again, so the reason why I called it all this is stake in the ground moments is choosing mercy. So some of us have made agreements, and, and I know I have in the past. Some of us have made agreements. In other words, we've already had stake in the ground moments in our hearts with negative things that have happened in our lives without a godly resolve. We've already put a stake in the ground about things that were done to us, and we've already decided no one's going to move me from there. I wrote some down. This used to be me. I will not be like my dad. That was a stake in the ground for me. Another one is that I will never treat my kids like this. We make agreements with these things. I will not get married if this is what it is. That hurts so much, I will not make new friends. I will never, here's a huge one, I will never trust another leader again. And those things hold us back from receiving the power, the forgiveness, the mercy, everything that God has for us when we're in this place because we turn into these very cynical people. And we get people up here, like Billy did today, praying for healing. And we're just very cynical. It's not going to happen. Guess what's going to happen for someone else, but maybe not you. Again, if the shoe fits, take it off. Here's, here's the thought that I have. What would it look like if a company of young people, gatekeepers, were to make stake-in-the-ground moments to walk in the opposite spirit of the age of that which was done to them? So let's say, I will choose to be a God-fearing and loving father and husband. Because I realized that that stake in the ground, I will not be like my dad. I had no godly resolve at the end. It was like, but I have nothing to cling to. All I knew is I didn't want to become him. But I had nothing to look to or what, what, what was I actually going to do in, in light, in, instead of that. And it turned into, Lord, I want to be like you. Help me. Because I had a very low standard. It was not be like my dad. Well, that was easy, guys. <laughs> Lord, I want to be like you. That's what, that, it's going to take you to get there. 
Another one I wrote is that for as long as Jesus forgives me, I will forgive others. So here's the three stake in the grounds, and then we're going to pray. The first one is, stake in the ground number one is, again, this is all around mercy, is I will choose to land on mercy every time. That doesn't mean that it's going to land there fast. That's why I'm saying take the time that it takes to get there. Matthew 18, 21 and 22, which I already told you when Jesus says to Peter, 70 times 7, take what it takes, do what it takes to get there. Don't, don't count it. Like, actually, don't count it. And the only thing that you should be looking at is your relationship with the Lord, is your walk and talk with him. So that's taking the ground one, is I'm going to choose to land on mercy every time. Staking the ground number two is this. I will bless those who offend me. Some of us need to make a stake in the ground with that. I'm, I'm just always going to land on this, and it's this. I will bless those who offend me. Matthew 5, 43 to 48. I'm just going to read you verse 44 where he says, But I say to you, this is Jesus, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And the last one, stake in the ground number three. I will, this is, this is a hard one as well. I will not gossip or slander those who offend me. Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. And I'll give you this last example because I just always think it's beautiful to look at Jesus. Um, there was a set once where I was singing um, from First Peter chapter 2. Kenna, you can come up. I'm, up. I'm practically done. Thank you. Um, First Peter chapter 2 where it says, and I was singing from this, where it says that in him he committed no sin and in him was no deceit. In his words were no deceit. And as I was singing from that, from that passage, I, I was reminded as I was singing about the moment in the garden with Judas. And if you recall the story, Judas comes with the guards to arrest him. And he gives Jesus a kiss on the cheek, the famous kiss on the cheek. And Jesus asks him a question. What can I do for you, friend? And what hit me as I was singing it is that Jesus is not like me. He was not being sarcastic. He wasn't like, friend. <laughs> That's me. That's us. But he was not. And, and I just love it because that's the way he still deals with me now. What can I do for you? I'm going to invite you to close your eyes just so that you were not distracted. What would you say to the Lord for those of you who raised your hands at any moment tonight? If he's asking you, what can I do for you, friend? Who is it that you were thinking of?
what's so good about the Lord's mercy is that we get this phrase in Romans, where are your accusers now? So if the Lord is asking you, as it relates to mercy, if you have someone who has just wronged you, deeply wounded you or offended you or has abandoned you or has rejected you and the Lord is asking what can I do for you friend just would encourage you that's a two part answer and it's you asking the Lord to heal you in the pain of the fruit or the fruit of the pain that came with it and then to help you have mercy. Just take a few moments. Don't talk to yourself, talk to the Lord. What can I do for you? anything like me, the holidays, especially around family, it brings so much to the surface. I had my family visit this weekend from California. Oh my God, I had a lot come to the surface. I still need him. I'm so in need. I'm so lost and broken without him. Joyful surrender. And just what they're singing in the passage that I'm giving you, that he delights in mercy from Micah and in James, it says that tri uh, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy is also one of those things that could be joyful in the Lord. 
It doesn't have to be a begrudging thing, this thing that just is hard or disgusting, but it's this thing that because the Lord delights in it, there's, there's, you could, you could lean on his delight. He could help your heart delight in it. And if you can't seem to find it, he's rich with it. And if you're feeling lost with it, he's a father of mercies. As I was praying earlier today, I just want to make this call. If, I'm just going to ask if anybody feels that. If at any moment any, in, in, anyone in this room was feeling, I need God's mercy. Whether you're here for the first time and you want to give your life to Jesus and you're asking for his mercy or you just feel, Lord, I need to align my heart with your mercy. I'm going to ask you to stand up just so that I can see you and pray for you. Here's the beautiful thing about your sanctification. It's that it's a group project. What I mean by that is this. If you're next to someone who's standing up, just put your hands on their shoulders. Let's, let's join and believe with them. No one's left out from the family here, guys. If our brothers and sisters are standing up believing for this, let's believe with them. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your mercy, Jesus. You had compassion on us. You had mercy on us, Lord. That even while we were yet sinners, you died and you showed us your love. Even though you knew our walk with you was not going to be perfect, far from it, and dysfunctional, you love us and you still call us to mercy. You have a great plan and all these little moments that you call us to mercy are part of it. They're part of your plan to display your glory on the earth. Part of your plan to display the goodness of God across the nations. Father, I pray for my friends, my brothers and sisters who are standing up, Lord. We believe. We believe with them that you would break in right now with mercy, God. You would break in with the richness of the mercy that you have. You are you who are rich in mercy. Would you give mercy now? Walk, my brothers and sisters, my friends, through this. Whether it is their hearts with you that they need mercy and align their hearts with you or someone who has hurt them, wronged them, or offended them, Lord, but they would walk out mercy with them, Lord. It's only in your power that this is going to happen, God. We need you, Jesus. Lord, help us. Help my brothers and sisters delight in mercy as you do. 
Let the journey of mercy be a delightful one. That we would land on delight. That when we see you face to face, you would look at us and say, Oh, you delighted in mercy just like me. You loved mercy just like me. You learned to love mercy just like me. The Lord hates wickedness and he loves righteousness. Lord, and as your sons and daughters, Father of mercies, walk us. Hold our hands and walk us. Walk with us, Lord. Walk with us, God. We believe. It's that little phrase, Lord. I believe, Lord. Help my unbelief. You would walk us through this. We can't see how, but help us walk in light of eternity, Lord. That the eternal reward of mercy is great. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at GatekeepersATL. We'll see you in the next message.